subscribe if you aren't already. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for liking, commenting, and subscribing. You know what time it is. Subscribe, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment. Feel free to subscribe and subscribe. Come make sure you subscribe. 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 And uh, subscribe if you haven't. Got some exciting things coming up. All right, how you guys feeling? Oh, come on, I know it's Saturday and you've been at the beach all day and you're tired, but come on, you can give me more than that. We brought the beach to you. We've got some loud ones in the house uh, this, this uh, weekend. We've uh, actually celebrating, it's Youth Takeover Weekend, okay, if you haven't. If you haven't figured it out by now, and uh, we've got some of our youth ministry here in the house that are joining us. Normally they have, uh, it's middle school, no, it's high school. Tonight's high school, high school not middle yep. school. High school Saturday. They have high school service um, normally, but uh, here at the Cooper City campus. But they're joining us in here, and uh, I'm excited to be teaching for the first time ever with my brother. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So we're going to see how this goes, all right? We're going to see how it goes. I do have to apologize up front for anything that is done or said for the next 30 minutes, okay? Yes, I do have yes. to apologize There is up a front. big difference between me and Tyler. One of the things that you can notice a difference is in the size of our notes. His notes are a uh, novel, oh, yeah. and mine are just some scribbles on a sheet of paper, so there are some differences between the yeah, two of us. Yeah, he's more of the 15-minute teacher, all right? If you can't say it in 15 minutes, nobody's going to hear it anyway. And I could take 15 minutes just saying, hi, how you doing? You know, so, um, so we'll see how it goes. But we are excited to have the opportunity to share with you uh, this weekend. And, um, you know, we've been in the series, Subscribe, for the past several weeks. Pastor Troy kicked it off week one talking about uh, environment. And Pastor Brian spoke last weekend on diversity, and uh, we're excited to have the opportunity to speak this weekend on personal growth. And this series, Subscribe, is all about our ethos, and ethos is just another word for values here at Potential Church. And so everything we're going to be talking about these next several weeks of this series, Subscribe, are values that we hold dear to our hearts here at Potential Church. And we believe that these values, when applied to your daily life, to your daily routine, can have a significant impact. And so we're going to jump right into the word. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with us to 2 Peter Chapter 1, all right, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses today. All right, it's going to be up on the screens as well, it says this. It says, do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Now, I don't know about you, but I want more of God's kindness and peace, amen? It says, if you want more and more of God's kindness and peace, then learn to know him better and better. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need. For living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised us. And then in verse 5, it says, But to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. You must also work hard to be good, and even that is not enough. For then you must learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly letting God have his way with you. Verse 8, the more you go on in this way, 
the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. But anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind indeed, or at least very short-sighted, and has forgotten that God delivered him from the old life of sin so that now he can live a strong, good life for the Lord. You know, the key to successful living is based so much on the condition of our walk with God. And so today, we, we just want to share a few practical, applicable steps for you and I that when we follow them, when we grow in our walk with Christ, can lead to incredible life change. And so just to start us off, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I just want to open us up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together, God. And Father, I pray over the next few moments that, that you would just speak to us in this place, God. Let every heart be open to receiving the word that you have for us. God, I pray that we would not allow the walls that we've built up, maybe walls we walked in here with, keep us from, from hearing the word and receiving this word. And so we open our hearts to you. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you give God a shout of praise if you know he's good. Yes, yes. Now, as Tyler stated a bit earlier, we're going to be talking about personal growth, which is one of our ethos. It is my personal, I don't want to say my favorite. It is one of my favorite, though. Absolutely. It's so important in our life to grow to where we want to be, who we want to be, what we want to achieve, um, the way we want to raise our kids. All of that stuff requires us to grow, to reach those things. And the way we describe personal growth, the way we define it here at Potential Church, you guys can fill this in, it's a strategy and discipline to reach your God potential in each area of your life. Now, you might notice in there, it, it doesn't say anything about faith. The reason being is because faith moves us to action. Faith is what moves us to act on, you know, I want to be a great parent, and I believe that God will get me there. Faith is what moves us. But in order to become a great parent or a great worker, a great uh, athlete, whatever it may be, in order to become those things, at the end of the day, it takes a strategy and it takes discipline. Hard work, preparation, it takes all those things to reach what we want to do, who we want to be. And so kind of we're going to be talking, kind of theming it around Survivor. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that show before. It's Survivor fans, where are you at? Are you in the house? Yes, it is no, our theme. Not, not too many. It's our theme for camp this year. We're going tribal, survivor theme. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, something they do on Survivor, one of the contests they do is a fire-making competition. So you can see we kind of have a, a setup here. Basically, I'm going to give you guys a little lesson on fire-making. You can take these strands off of this, use that to uh, light a fire, and then obviously it burns through the sticks, and use flint and steel to start the, uh, to get a, um, what do you call it? A spark, spark, and that lights the fire. So, you know, and, and that's one of my favorite competitions. I love watching the fire making competition because it shows you who prepared for, for this, you know, for Survivor. Who put in the work, who put in the effort, the time to prepare for this show. And, you know, one of the, one of the times on, uh, on Survivor, they were doing the contest, it took, it took two and a half hours for them to get a fire started two and a half hours just to, to finish the competition, to get a winner. And you know, through that, what it really showed me is that you need a strategy in order, in order to succeed. 
I can want to start this fire really bad. I can believe this fire is going to start. But if I haven't prepared, if I, if I don't have a strategy on how to light this fire, it will not light. I have to know what I'm doing. And then beyond that, it takes endurance. It takes discipline. If I don't have the discipline to withstand what it's going to take, withstand maybe a two and a half hour process to get this started, if I don't have that discipline, that fire is not going to start. So we must have a strategy and discipline in order to reach all that God has for us. Another thing you might say is, is, and you can fill this in as well, growth takes place when we make an intentional decision to prepare the journey in order to possess the blessing. And for me, I, I love that because what it's saying is that we have to decide, we have to sit down and decide, I am going to succeed. Whatever it may be in, I'm going to succeed spiritually. I'm going to gr grow closer with God. I'm going to become the best athlete I can be. I'm going to be, be the best worker I can be. We have to make that decision. It's not something, as many of you I'm sure know, it's not something that just happens. We don't just wake up one morning and we're an incredible, you know, six pack and we can run a marathon. That doesn't happen. We have to decide, I'm going to do this. Once we've decided that, what it requires us to do is prepare. You know, I, I can want to run a marathon. I can want to real bad really bad. But if I don't prepare for it and I just go out and run, I'm not going to achieve it. I'm probably going to die halfway in, into it. I have to prepare. And it's the same way in our lives. If we don't prepare for the thing that we want to achieve, the biggest dream goal that we have, the God-sized dreams, we have to prepare for those. Otherwise, God will give us the opportunity, but we won't be ready for it. And the most fun part of that statement is at the end, when we've done the, the decision, we've made the decision, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to apply every amount of discipline I have to achieve it, then we get the reward. At the end, God gifts us, you know, that dream that is deep within our heart, he, he gives that to us. Yeah, that's right. You know, like Carson said, it requires a strategy. And uh, as you can see, we're teaching today from a giant sandbox. Doesn't this look amazing? Looks fun, right? Aren't you jealous? Don't you wish you were up here building sandcastles? And uh, you know what? How many of you ever played in a sandbox when you were younger? Do we have a few? I don't even know if they make sandboxes anymore. But, you know, when you think about a sandbox, sandboxes are, for the most part, they're for younger children, right? They're like tod for like people that are toddler age. You know, they kind of play in the sand. They can't get hurt. Well, I'm, I'm sure a toddler can get hurt some way, but there's not the concrete, there's not the wood chips, you know, they can just kind of play in the sand and play with the sand, maybe stick some of it in their mouth. It's really meant for younger children, a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old or 12-year-old probably would not be entertained very long inside the sandbox. Because see, with maturity, the things that used to satisfy us, the things that used to entertain us can no longer satisfy us. And I believe the same is true in our relationship with God. See, as we grow closer to God, as we get to know him more intimately, and, and as we come into relationship with him, all of a sudden the things that used to satisfy us can no longer satisfy us. All of a sudden we're, we're no longer satisfied with just being lukewarm. We're no longer satisfied with just coming and attending church rather than being committed to church. And so we want to give you some practical steps that are going to help take you beyond the sandbox and into the, the wide, expansive destiny that God has for you. And, you know, Carson mentioned we're kind of going off of a little survivor theme. we got the tiki, tiki torches and, and all of that. And the reason we're doing that is because youth camp is coming up in just a couple of weeks. 
July 24th through the 27th, and um, the theme is Survivor, <clears throat> all right? And so we uh, uh, wanted to pull the tagline from Survivor and incorporate it into our teaching. Does anybody know the tagline from Survivor? Anybody? Scream it out if you know it. Okay, I heard a lot of things, blah, blah, blah. All right, the, the tagline is outwit, outplay, and outlast. And see, in order for you and I to grow in our personal walk with God, we have to outwit the enemy. We have to outplay our opponents so that we can outlast our circumstances. And you know that word, outwit, it, it means to deceive or defeat with greater ingenuity or cleverness. And you know, when, when you watch the show Survivor, <coughs> the contestants, in order for them to get further in the game, it requires a strategy and it requires the right alliances. But it requires that, that intentional strategy. And, you know, growing closer to God requires a strategy from us as well. And the strategy is to remain in him. And, you know, I love what John chapter 15 and verse 5 says. John says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. Now let me clarify this. Apart from God, we may be able to achieve short-term success, but any success we experience or or accomplishments we achieve is for ourselves. It's a selfish gain. And you know what? It ends with us. It can't leave a legacy. It can't leave a footprint for anyone else to follow. But with God, with God, when we're walking closely with him, when we're surrendered to him, any success, any accomplishment that we experience, it doesn't point people back to us. It points people back to him. And that sends a greater message out into the world, and it expands our own platform. So how do we do that? How do we remain in Christ? How do we do that? I believe one of the ways, practical step, is through our quiet time. It's through spending time with God. It's through spending time in his word. It's it's taking the time to read his word each and every day. And, And you know, it's better to read two verses and memorize one verse every week than at the end of the month realize, oh, man, I haven't read my Bible all month. Come on, don't lie. You know you've been there. Hey, I've been there before. And then you try and read, like, the entire book of Genesis, and then you completely forget what you read. No, better it is to to read a few verses a day, to memorize one verse a week, because staying in the Word of God, it's not about just gaining knowledge. It's about inscribing the instructions and promises of God on our hearts. You know, it's in Psalm 119. It declares that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Has anybody ever tried to make your way through the dark before? All right. More specifically, have you ever had to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? And for those of you who are married, you have a spouse. All right. You're faced with a dilemma. Do you turn on the lights and risk waking up your spouse? And if your spouse is like mine, (laughs) she doesn't like to be woken up. All right. Or do you try and make your way to the bathroom in the pitch darkness? See, for me, this is a a dilemma 
pretty much on a nightly basis. And often I find myself getting up, I can't see anything. And listen, I'm clumsy when the lights are on. I mean, I'm the kind of person that just trips in public over walking over my own feet. And so normally I'm bumping into the dresser and I'm stubbing my toe and I'm shouting godly curse words um, and trying to make my way to the bathroom. And then when I get to the bathroom, I'm faced with the decision, do I turn the light on in the bathroom and risk waking up my wife? Usually no. And listen, trying to use the bathroom in the pitch darkness for a man is a totally different story. All right, not going there. But, and then to only make my way back in the darkness to lay down and find that my wife was awake anyways from the moment I got up. Listen, it's not easy making your way through the darkness. And listen, so many times we are stumbling through life. We are stumbling blindly in the darkness because we fail to get those instructions and the promises of God inscribed on our hearts. And see, the great thing about inscribing it on your heart, even if you don't need it at that moment, when a trial comes, when a storm comes into your life, you're able to pull that out. You're able to remind yourself of the promises of God. Do you know that in the Word of God is a solution to every single problem you and I will experience here on earth? Do you know, some scholars, they quote that there's over 3,500 promises straight from the heart of God to you and I. Promises of love, of peace, of joy, of strength, of protection. But see, when we're not spending time with him consistently on a daily basis in his word and through prayer, then see, when, when the storms of life start to come about, all of a sudden we forget God's promises and we start living by our own set of rules. And then all of a sudden we, we start saying one thing but doing another. We're coming to church every weekend, but we're still living with that boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or we claim to say that we trust God, but we spend every waking hour trying to do things in our own strength. We spend every waking hour trying to control our finances, even though we claim to trust God. We forget the promises when we're not spending consistent time with Him. So my question to you today is, is how much time are you spending with him? How much time are you spending in the word? How much time are you spending in prayer? That is our strategy. And you know, when we, when we watch the show Survivor, you also need an alliance to get to the end, to win the game. And see, who we choose to align ourselves with is crucial. How many of you know you can choose to spend your time with life givers or life drainers? And you know what I'm talking about. Right? Life givers are those people that they just, they just pour into you. They're encouraging to you. They're helpful to you. Their words build you up. They're a place where you can find comfort, where you can find solace. But how many of you also know what it's like to be around a life drainer? I mean, those people that just drain every ounce of energy from your body. Right? I mean, they're always bringing some sort of drama to you. They've always got a story. They've always got somebody to talk about. They've always, you know, got a problem that they need your help with, and you can try and give them the best advice, but you know they're still going to go and do what they want to do. See, who we choose to align ourselves with is so important. You know, I love what, what Proverbs 24 verse 6 says. Strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. You know, one of the ways to receive good counsel here at Potential Church is through our connect groups. And, you know, we don't, we don't host connect groups throughout the week because we need one more thing to do or you need one more thing to add to your calendar. 
No, we, we host connect groups because we truly believe that the destiny that God has in store for you is so vast that you can't possibly accomplish it on your own. See, we need each other. Church isn't about coming into a building. It's about being integrated into a community. Something happens when we get into community, when we meet in houses throughout the week to, to comfort one another, to encourage one another, to challenge and hold one another accountable, to pray for one another. It changes the atmosphere in our lives. You know, Proverbs also reminds us that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And we each have to ask ourselves the question, the people that you are surrounding yourself with, do they sharpen your passion for God or they, do they dull your passion for him? Listen, I, I want to encourage you. Listen, don't do life alone. If you're not already involved in the Connect Group, we're launching our new season of Connect Groups come September. And listen, I encourage you. Listen, get signed up. Get involved in a Connect Group. Get around people that are in a similar season of life that can come around you, that can rally around you, that can speak life over you when you're going through a difficult challenge. That can be there to cry for you, to cry with you, to pray not just for you, but to also pray with you. That can declare the promises of God over your life. It is a huge part of our success and growing in our walk with God is who we choose to align ourselves with. And you know, an, another practical step in our personal growth and in our walk with God is, is the step of baptism. You know, we've got beach baptism coming up tomorrow from 2 to 5 p.m. And, and you know, baptism is the very first thing that God asks us to do once we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you know it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, <clears throat> For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Galatians 3.27 says it like this, For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, that's what baptism represents. It's the new life that we have in Christ. You know, we say here often at Potential Church that to get baptized is to put on your God jersey. Why do we say that? Why do we, why do we use that terminology, putting on the God jersey? Because, see, that's the, the picture that it paints. When we go under that water and come back up, it is a representation of putting on a God jersey, letting the world know that we are on God's team, that he's done something in our lives, that he's done something in our hearts, that we are no longer the same. See, when we go underneath that water, it paints that picture of the old us being buried with Christ and when we're brought up out of that water, the new us being raised to life with Christ. It paints a picture. It tells a story. It's an outward expression of an internal transformation. And you know, sometimes I think maybe baptism is a little bit intimidating because we don't fully understand it. We think that, well, if we get baptized, if we make this public declaration, then all of a sudden we're, we're held accountable to that. And, and we can't make the same mistakes that we used to make. I mean, what if we get baptized and, and our family is there to witness it and they're excited about it, then all of a sudden the next day we lose our temper and we yell at our spouse and say hurtful things. 
But you see, baptism doesn't mean that we're perfect. It just means that we are making a public declaration that we serve a perfect God. And listen, that's the message that the world needs to see. And they need to see it from you and I. You know, baptism is not for anyone else. Baptism is for you. And you know, I understand and I recognize that many of us in here come from different religious backgrounds. And, you know, in South Florida, I know many of us come from, from a Catholic background. And you say, well, well I was baptized as, as an infant. If I get baptized in, as an adult, I don't know how my family is going to respond to that. I don't know what my parents are going to think about that. And you see, when, when we get baptized as an adult, we're not disgracing what our parents did, we're fulfilling the promise that our parents made. They committed to, to raise you in, in a godly household. They, they consecrated you to, to Christ. And when we get baptized after making the decision for ourselves that Jesus Christ is Lord, he came to earth, he died on that cross, and that he rose from the grave. And we step into that water and make that declaration. It is fulfilling that promise. And you know, to, to not be baptized after accepting Christ is actually disobedience. And if you're waiting on anybody else's blessing to be baptized, listen, you have God's blessing. That's all the blessing that you need. Not choosing to be baptized actually separates us from God. It puts up a wall between God's blessing and us. And listen, I want to encourage you today, if you have made that decision, but you have yet to follow Christ in baptism, listen, I want to encourage you, make that decision. Join us at Beach Baptism tomorrow. Listen, I believe that God's going to pour out a blessing over your life. You say, well, I'm worried about what my family's going to say. Listen, trust God. Trust God with your family's reaction. Trust God with your family's hearts. God can do in one moment what we can't do in a lifetime. And that may be the one single decision that you need to make this weekend to walk out your destiny, to go beyond the sandbox and to step into the purpose that God has for you. And you know I, we actually have a story of baptism that we want to share with you. And so, Carson, why don't you um, introduce our guest? Yes, we have a very special student coming out. Her name is Neve. Let's give it up for Neve. She's going to join us. Yes, yes, yes. Now, Neve has an incredible story. She actually started uh, attending the church quite a while ago. She is a veteran now here at Potential Church. Um, but she started attending quite a while ago. And, you know, over time, she, she wanted, you know, she felt that nudge to get baptized, take that next step in her faith. And so she did that. She got baptized at a beach baptism, which is awesome. She took that step, you know, fast forward a little further down the road, and she ended up attending our Uproar camp, our Uproar conference camp. Uh, and she did, you know, some crazy things in order to uh, get the money to go. But, you know, that has had a huge impact on her life, and it's been incredible to see how far she's come. You know, she is serving in many different areas here at Potential Church and in Potential Youth, and she is a part of our Riot Squad, which is our leadership, core leadership student group. So she's come a really long way. Neve, now, you know, talking about baptism, what really got you, you know, what made you want to do that? What got you to feel that need of, I, this is something I need to do? Well, I had only been coming to... to potential church for two weeks until I got baptized. So I saw how amazing 
every, everyone was so happy all the time. I was like, what is this? Like, whatever they're on, I want that. Give me that, please. And so I, was, I just spoke to myself quietly to myself and really took some time to think whatever it takes to get to that place, I am completely willing to do because I, I really wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't take that leap of faith because I was watching you and Jess and Gabe when you guys were still in high school. So I was like, I, that. And so the fact that you are now my leader and I'm standing right next to you talking about that is a really big deal. Baptism is a very big deal in my book to me. Awesome, awesome. That's so cool to hear. Yes, yes. Now, you had talked about, you had said, mentioned in there, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but you had mentioned whatever it takes. And that is the tagline for this year's camp to really instill in the students a sense of we will do whatever it takes to change this world for the better. Now, with that, you did, from what I've heard, you did some crazy things to get the money to go to camp. What I were did. some of those things? Well, um, this is weird. This is really weird. I had to get a sponsorship. So my father and I sat down and we were like, what can I do? And my father said, I'm going to do a thousand push-ups in 10 days and find people to give me money. I don't remember what I said, but it was somewhere along the lines of, I'm sorry, what? Please tell me again. <laughs> and so I had to do a thousand push-ups in 10 days. So I did 10 push-ups every hour for 10 hours a day for 10 days. <laughs> And I ended up raising over $400 for myself to go, and I gave the church extra money for someone else to go. Yes, that is incredible. That is absolutely amazing, you know, that you would put in that work because you really wanted to go. That shows that they, yeah. it, it meant something to you. It really did, yeah. Now, with camp, what, if there's a parent in here who's maybe on the fence of, do, should I send my kid, should I not? Or maybe there's a student in here who's yeah. on the fence of, should I go, should I not? From your mouth, what, what, why is it so important to go to camp? Well, to me, camp really changed my life because at that point, I didn't know what I wanted. I, didn't, I, I had a relationship with God. I was baptized, but I still was very unclear of what I was supposed to do with this relationship that I have with God. And going to camp, it completely changed my life around. I realized things that I could have never thought on my own. I had an amazing opportunity to watch these speakers right in front of me, telling me all these things, just feeding me, and it was absolutely life-changing. At the end of that conference, I was speaking to my best friends, Dakota and Patrick, and we were talking, because they were in Riot Squad, so because they're older than me, and I was like, you know, but by the time I'm ninth grade, I am going to be in Riot Squad, and in January of this year, you and Jess took me to the green room and invited me to be a part of Riot Squad, so without Uproar Camp, I wouldn't have known I wanted that, and I wouldn't be, again, next to you talking about this, so that the camp was a very big deal. Camp is a very big deal. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Can we give it up for me? <laughs> yes, yes, she is one of the many incredible students uh, that attend our potential youth. And you guys heard it from her, straight from her mouth. Camp changed her life. It was a huge part of the change that happened in her. Her family has noticed it. Her friends have noticed it. Her life is completely altered because she went to camp. That's why we do this. We don't do camp to just have a good time. We do have an incredible time, but that's not why we do it. We do it because we truly believe deep within our hearts that if, if a student goes to camp, their life will be forever changed. They will never be the same. 
And I challenge you today, if, if maybe, you know, you don't have a, a young person who's, you know, in middle school or high school, or maybe, you know, it, it's, you know, you don't have that age group, maybe, maybe sponsor a kid. Maybe sponsor a kid who wants to go really bad. They really want to go to camp, but they don't have the money to do it. Be a part of that solution. I promise you, God will honor you for that, for being a part of life change within a student yeah. that will radically, completely change their lives. That's right. And through that, your life will change as well. Please don't miss this opportunity. This is huge, huge. Our goal at Potential Youth is to change the world, to not just be a part of something that happens. Every week, you know, we go in there and we meet. It's, that's not the goal. The goal is to change the world. And that happens through different events such as camp. So please don't miss out on that opportunity. Please take advantage of that. So as Tyler talked about earlier, you know, the first thing we have to do is outwit the enemy. And we do that through good alliances, strategy, all those different things. The next thing we have to do is outplay our opponents. I love this one. I, I really do. It's kind of the, the, you know, underdog story almost. The idea that it's not about being bigger, it's about being better. And, I, and you know, for me, I love Survivor, and there's a lot of underdog opportunities in Survivor. And one comes to my mind of a guy named Ozzy. He's a scrawny guy, doesn't look fast, strong, athletic. He doesn't look any of those things. And so it shocked everyone when out of, there's usually about 19 competitions throughout a season of Survivor, he won 18. He lost one competition throughout the entirety of it. And as they investigated his background and his story, they found that his life was really designed to win Survivor. The, the way he grew up, what he did, all of that stuff really set his life up to, to be good at Survivor. And kind of it's the same thing in our life. It's, it's the idea that train what you want to be good at. Train in the area you want to succeed in. You know, I know sometimes it's, you know, I'll hear people say things like, you know, I wish my relationship was closer to God. But you're hanging out with people who are pushing you further away from it. it, it they, that doesn't work. It's like training in football to beat Stephen Curry in basketball. That doesn't work. Train in where the area that you want to be good at. There's a, the best underdog story in the history of time, as far as I'm concerned, can be found in 1 Samuel 17. It says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. For those of you who don't know, this is the story of David and Goliath. David took down a giant. David, a small kid, he was a kid at this point, took down a giant. And oftentimes we think of that as David's work. David's, you know, hard work was taking down Goliath. In reality, that wasn't his hard work. That was God's hard work. God did that. David can't do that. What David's hard work was deciding that he was going to take on Goliath. Be courageous enough to step to him and say, I can do this with God. The only way that this happens is if God shows up. I think there's, there's, there's honor from God in those situations where we 
step to a situation where we, should, we tell God, God, if you don't intervene here, this isn't going to work. I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm going to fail. When we settle, uh, set ourselves up in situations where we can only succeed with God's intervention, miraculous things happen. Worlds get changed. Lives are changed. And all of a sudden, this isn't just a place in Cooper City. All of a sudden, Potential Church is a part of something that's changing the world. That's something I want to be a part of. I, I would hate to get to heaven and find out that I missed out on that blessing because I was, I was too unwilling to, to do the hard work. I was too unwilling to step into fearful situations and to just ask God, God, I need you to intervene in this. I can't do it without you. And I, and I think there's, there's true, uh, it, with that humility, the, God really honors that lifestyle. And lives are changed, the world is changed. And that's something that I want to be a part of. That's right, that's so good. And, you know, kind of as we've been saying, if we're going to grow, we've got to have a strategy. We've got to outwit the enemy. We've got to outplay our opponents. It's not about getting bigger. It's about getting better. It's not about moving uh, into the next season. It's about conquering the season that God has us in right now. And where I want to land us uh, today is when we do those things, when we are walking closely with God, it gives us what we need to outlast our circumstances. You know, Jesus Christ came to earth. He died a shameful death so that we could spend an eternity in heaven with him. But you know, I believe that, that Christ also came so that we could live a victorious life here on earth. And you know, one of the things that, that I've learned in my own fight for faith, and how many of you know sometimes faith is a fight? Sometimes it requires a, a fight to hold on to your faith when your situation says it's impossible, when the doctors give you a bad report, when it seems like all hope is lost. We have to hold on to our faith. And one of the things that I've learned is the battle is not one to those who fight the hardest necessarily, but those who fight the longest. Those who don't quit, those who don't give up, those who stand the test of time. You know, it, it tells us in, in James chapter 1, verse 12, that blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. The one who stands the test, for he will receive the crown that God has promised to those who love him. That they will receive the crown of life. And you may say, you know what, that, that's great, Tyler, but that's not my story. God, he, he has left me. He's abandoned me. There's no way that a loving God could allow this to enter my life. And I just want to share with you 1 Peter chapter 4. I believe you're going to be encouraged today. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. The message puts it like this. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad. Some translations say rejoice. Rejoice, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced himself. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You know, the only way to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer 
is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. To walk closely with him. Because as we get to know him better, as we inscribe those instructions of how to live a successful life on our heart, as we inscribe those promises from God on our hearts, it gives us the strength we need to outlast that storm, to outlast that circumstance, to outlast that situation. You know, that's why it's, it's so important to grow in our walk. That's why spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time journaling, getting to know God more intimately, joining a connect group, serving, being a part of the house, taking that step of baptism, the reason it's so important is because we need it. It is what sustains us through the difficult and trying seasons. Parents, can I tell you, listen, that's why it's so important to instill that foundation in your children when they're young. That's why it's important for them to, to be a part of children's ministry, to be a part of youth ministry, to be at Youth Camp 2017, so that when they become an adult, they don't have to go off searching for truth. No, they've got the truth in their hearts. They hold on to that truth from themselves. We see people all the time. They graduate, they become an adult, and they walk away from God. They walk away from the church. We see people, when they become an adult, they start to search for truth in all the wrong places. But you know, the wisdom writers in Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. They may stray for a season, but they will not depart from the Word of God. Listen. That's why it's important. Listen, Carson and I, we are a product of children who were raised in the house, that were raised up in children's ministry, that were raised up in youth ministry. Carson, he, he's on staff in our youth ministry. He, he teaches to the youth. His, his girlfriend, his future wife, I like to say. Come on, time's tick, clock's ticking. She serves as well. There's a blessing in store for that. And you know what, I, I think about what is it that, that gets me through those difficult seasons in my life and I think back to the moment that I accepted Christ. At seven years old, just a young boy, I remember sitting in children's ministry. I remember praying that prayer, inviting Jesus to be my best friend. I remember the, the moment that I got baptized at the church that my parents had planted in Arkansas, white robe and all. And can I tell you, it's that decision that I made as a child that sustains me today. But can I tell you, though my faith began in the sandbox, it began in children's ministry, in a protected environment. That's not where it stayed. But no, because I've grown, because I've matured, because my relationship with God is no longer my parents' relationship, but my relationship. Because I've walked closely with God, because I've spent time with Him and in His Word, and I've studied His Word, can I tell you there is nothing that can take me out because I've gone beyond the sandbox, and I have stepped into the destiny. I'm still stepping into and still walking in the destiny to which God has for me. And this, listen, the same is true for you. I'm no different than you. Maybe your story is different than mine. You say, that's great, but I wasn't raised in church. 
if you just saw the family that I came from. But listen, I've got good news for you today, friend. God doesn't care about your past. God doesn't care the family to which you came from. God doesn't care about how you came into this world. God has a future. God has a destiny. God has a purpose. But listen, if you're going to walk it out, you got to grow in your relationship with him. And it's my prayer today that some of us make the decision to finally move beyond the sandbox and to step into the wide, expansive destiny that God has for us. And listen, maybe for you, it's that very first step of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're here and you say, you know, I've, I've tried to do life my own way. I, I've tried to do things in my own strength. And each time I come up short, each time I, I come up broken, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, maybe through this entire message, you've just sensed a nudging in your heart that you know what, you, you need to give something different a try, that, that, you, that you need a rescue, that you, you just need God to show up in your life. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit nudging your heart, urging you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want anybody looking around. I just, I just want us to take a moment. This is just between you and God. And I don't know where you stand with God. I, I don't know if maybe you've never invited him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you did grow up in church, but, but you've strayed away. Maybe this is your first time back in church in years, and you feel unworthy. Listen, Jesus, Jesus was sent to the earth to die a shameful death on that cross, to die for our sins, to die for our screw-ups, so that we could spend an eternity in heaven with him. See, God knew, God knew that we could never be good enough, that we could never do enough good, that we could uh, never live up to his glorious standard, so he sent his son to pay the price. And listen, if you believe that today, you believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross, but that's not where he stayed, that he didn't stay in the grave, but he rose three days later so that you could live a victorious life, so that you could spend an eternity with him in heaven here in just a moment. The worship team is going to lead us in, in one last song, and we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to worship together. But I want to invite you, if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, I'm going to invite you to move forward. As soon as we begin to sing this song, come right up here, right to, to the front of the stage. Listen, I know it takes courage, but this is your moment. You're not here by accident. You're not here by coincidence. No, God planned for you to be here in this place for such a time as this. And this is your moment to respond, to step out of your seat, to get out of the sandbox and say, God, I'm moving towards you. I'm moving towards my destiny. I also want to invite those who have yet to be baptized. You've accepted Christ, but, but you've not yet been baptized. Maybe you're signed up for baptism tomorrow, but you've yet to walk into that water. I'm going to invite you forward as well. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for that decision. I believe that God's going to pour out a blessing over you if you're obedient to that decision. So here in just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Father, I come to you now, and God, I pray for courage. 
those. God, you know the hearts of those who sit before us here at Cooper City, at all of our campuses, those watching online. And God, I pray right now for a spirit of courage to surrender, to respond to that nudge, God. Father, I pray we would no longer live in fear, but we would live in victory. And so right now, God, we surrender this moment to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing it out. Let's worship and let's respond.